on the Virtual Bible Study tonight, we want to talk about faith in the workplace and in our community. Yeah, we're really going to be talking. Let me get my mic. You can talk if you have a microphone. <laughs> uh, we're really going to be talking about uh, what Jesus told us to do, let your light shine. Okay. Uh, and in a couple in a couple of places where we find ourselves a lot. Let's talk about how we let our light shine. How to do that. It's going to be an important discussion, very practical, everyday kind of discussion, and we're going to start it right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study. This is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, August 26, 2021. Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. We're glad to be back with you, Dad. Good to be back with you. Yeah, we we had a little... Uh, COVID scare last week, and so uh, trying to be on the side of caution, we we uh, um, suspended our Bible study for last Thursday night, and then you were off the week before that, even with so, COVID exposure. So I think we may have to retrain you to do your job. I'm a little nervous tonight. Okay. I am a little nervous. Tonight. Kyle, glad to be back with you as well. Glad good. that you are, stayed well. I always miss the studies. I'm sure. Yeah, watch it's like it's a normal Thursday night thing. If you don't have it, it's not normal. Uh, but glad that we're back, and uh, we're glad to be back with you. Uh, look forward to hearing from you at eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Welcome us back uh, to the program with a call tonight eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Give us an email questions at collegeu.com or uh, send us a message in the chat room tonight. We look forward to hearing from you. Hey, Jacob, uh, before we get started into our study tonight, uh, I want you to tell us, I think most of our listeners know that you're working with the uh, South Franklin Church of Christ on a regular basis, preaching and teaching up there. And and that church has uh, a big deal planned for next Monday and Tuesday. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, we've got, uh, we're having a community Bible study next week uh, at the factory in Franklin. If you're in the Middle Tennessee area, you've probably heard of the factory in Franklin. It'll be on uh, Monday, uh, August 30th, and Tuesday, August 31st at 7 p.m. at the factory. FranklinBibleStudy.com is how you can find out more about that. So the website is FranklinBibleStudy.com. What's the theme? The Moral Decline of America. Oh, man, that's got to be a ripe subject. That's a pretty easy one to talk about, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. and your speaker is... Josh McKibben. Josh McKibben. A lot of us know Josh McKibben. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and I, Jacob, have known Josh McKibben for years. He's preached in Kentucky until just recently, mm-hmm. moved here to the Middle Tennessee area, and is preaching in Nashville. He is a really powerful speaker, and so if you are... In Middle Tennessee, and you can get to the factory in Franklin next Monday. I guess it's seven o'clock in Monday. Seven, to, seven Monday o'clock. And yeah, yep. Monday and Tuesday nights. Yep. I, I, I can guarantee you won't be sorry. It, it, it will be. Are you going to do any live streaming or anything? I'm going to put a video up after the fact, after recording the, after the oh, fact. So sort of a area wide blackout. It's blackout. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> okay. Well, we're learning from Kyle's mistakes. <laughs> yep. All right. Yep. Sounds good. So if you can do that, I, I, again, I, I can guarantee that you won't be sorry if you invest the time to get to the Frank to the. Uh, Franklin Bible Study. What, what do you call it? 
Franklin Bible Study dot com. Franklin Bible Study dot com. That's where all the info is. Yep. Franklin Bible Study dot com. Okay. All right. All right. So let's go to our topic for discussion tonight: the Christian in the workplace and in the community. And we're going to start out by talking about the Christian in the workplace. Uh, and and so in doing that, I ask what scriptural principles would apply to the laborers? You're not the boss, you're the worker. Okay. So what's, what, what principles would apply to you? What if you happen to be the boss? Mm. What, what princ- biblical principles would apply to managers? And then got to keep your feet on your desk. And then one of the things I'm particularly interested in is how might this work environment serve as a a good place for personal evangelism? How how could I use this place where I happen to be at a lot and and I'm around a number of people? How how might I best use that as a as a place for evangelism? So let's do that. So. What about principles if you happen to be a worker? In other words, you're you're not the boss, you're not the supervisor. You just you're just doing you doing the work. Uh, there there are some Bible verses that very plainly speak to that. Yep. Let's look at if Ephesians chapter six, and in Ephesians chapter six, beginning at verse five, it says servants. Obviously, this was talking about actually a master and slave kind of relationship, but I, we have always believed and taught that it, it is applicable to a worker and an employer. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and singleness of heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart with goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing a man doeth, the same shall receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. So, you know, this is this is pretty impressive that even if you were in a slave situation, you should be a good worker and you and you you should do what's expected of you uh as though you were serving the Lord, because in fact you are. And uh, Peter takes it a little bit farther because he says that you need to be that way and have that attitude, whether you have a good master or you have a bad master. Yeah. Ephesians, or sorry, First Peter chapter two verse eighteen: Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward or the harsh. You got to be subject uh, to your master. Uh, and certainly, there were some excellent uh, expectations that Peter sets forth for us as uh, laborers there. In Colossians chapter 3, uh, Paul is sort of a, a very distinctly parallel passage to the one in Ephesians. Paul says, servants obey in all this is Ephesians. Let me get this right. Colossians 3, verse 22. Servants obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. You know, the, the, the idea uh, uh, as a, a, a man pleaser with eye service We've all probably been in work situations where there were some people who were like that. If the boss was within eye shot, they were busy. Uh, they were really trying to put on a good show. When the boss was not looking or was away, they didn't do anything. Yep. And and so they were just trying to be a man pleaser. They were given eye service. And, and uh, it's interesting that... The Word of God tells us that is not the thing to do. Now, why would it not be a good thing to do? 
Well, why do you think the Lord would even care about laying down those instructions in his revelation? I think it goes to this matter of influence, letting your light shine. So if you are a co-worker with the guy who is this man pleaser, giving only eye service, you don't think too much of that guy. Yeah. What if that guy happens to be a Christian and he later turns around and tells you that he wants, he wants to talk with you about being a Christian, you being a Christian, he's a Christian and he wants to talk to you about being a Christian. Well, you, you really don't have any interest in, in what he has to say because you see him to be a fraud. Yeah. You, you see him to be a hypocrite. Right. And, and so I believe the reason why this is an expectation that God places upon his people is in all things, he wants us to behave ourselves so that our example is preserved. Yes. Now, so you're talking about the way that we work. Can I also say that the scriptures regulate the water cooler discussion as well? Okay. First Timothy chapter six, verse one, let it, as many ma- servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. You know, that's one of the uh, most popular subjects around the water cooler. Uh, Can you it, believe what the boss The did? boss is just, he's, he's, a he's, jerk. Lot of, he's just brain dead. He, yeah, you know, yeah. he, no, you got to be careful and uh, you're going to have to treat them with honor and uh, you're, that's going to reflect in how you talk about them. Yeah. So I think that's, I think that's a, a very deserved point. In Titus chapter two, Paul says, exhort servants to be obedient to their, to their own masters and to please them well in all things. Notice not answering again. Not purloining or being lazy, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. Notice, so uh, don't don't talk back. Don't be lazy. Be faithful in fulfilling your duties. Notice, what, what what's going to happen when you do that? That you may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. Again, that goes to the idea of your example. So if you're a bad employee, you're going to make the name of Christ look bad. Yeah. You call yourself a Christian and you, and this is the way you act on the job. Where on the other hand, if you're a faithful and, and diligent worker, you're setting that high example that the Lord wants us to set. All right. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeu.com. Maybe we should get to our listeners. Yeah. Uh, Kent says there are New Testament principles, principles that apply to laborers. You gotta have honesty, he says, Romans chapter twelve, verse six seventeen. You have to have diligence, Ephesians six, five through seven. You have to maintain a pure heart, first Timothy one, verse five. Well this instruction apply, applied to Timothy as a preacher, the same principle applies to all Christians in all areas of life. Thank yeah. you for that, Kent. And then Dwight out in Iowa says, uh, for laborers that we need to follow Colossians two three, twenty three and twenty four which states, whatsoever you do, do it as heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. Onesimus was a slave and was useful both to Paul and to Philemon. In Philemon, chapter, Philemon verses 10 and through 16, it says, 
I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and me. I'm sending him back. You therefore receive him, that is, my own heart, whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing, for your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and, and in the Lord. So, so notice, so here's a, here's a case study particularly of a, of a master and a servant. <clears throat> Philemon was the master, Onesimus was the servant. Notice, in, in previous times, he was not profitable to his master. But he met up with Paul in Rome and apparently was converted there. Now he's sending him back with the, with the instruction to be profitable to his master. And so part of that conversion process would be the change of heart in Onesimus to go from, from being a bad servant to a good one. Yep. And he references Ephesians 6, 5, and 6, which you referenced. But here's another one, Ephesians 4, verse 28 which says, let him who stole still no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. He underlines the idea of working with his hands what is good. You know, you can't do something bad just because, well, that's what they want me to do on the job. You can't do something that's immoral, something that would violate God's will, just because, well, that's what the job requires. Yeah, I think think that's good that Dwight brought that in there, and I think that's the great caveat to the things that we were saying. I need to do what my boss tells me to do, and I need to do it faithfully and diligently, with the exception being that, we, and we and we use this verse all the time, and it's very important. Acts five twenty nine: We ought to obey God rather than men. So you know, it is not unheard of on the job for the boss to ask you to lie about mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. You know, tell him we tell him we uh, not going to have that until next Friday. Well, we've got ten of them here. Uh, yeah, but I, I, just tell him we're not going to have them. You know, something like that. Uh, that's not an uncommon request, and a Christian can't do that. All right. So he has to work with his hands the thing that is good, as Dwight points out All there. Right. Good points. Uh, good discussion so far. We need to get a break when we get back. Where are we going next? Well, what about bosses? What happens if, you know, I'm sure some of the people that, that uh, are in our study tonight have supervisory Responsibilities. What does the word of God say to you? All right. Uh, don't go anywhere. We're going to get to that right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Without hard work, nothing grows but weeds. Begin with the end in mind. The measure of a man's real character is what he would do if he knew he would never be found out. Man, wish I'd said that. Here's a quick thought. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. Psalm 46, verses 1 and 2. How do you see God? Is he your refuge and strength, a very present help in your time of need? The psalmist is reminding us to live courageously, trusting in God. Seize the day. 
Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program as we talk about our responsibilities uh, as workers and now as uh, those who would be managers. Yeah. yeah, so we ask, what what would the scripture what would be scriptural principles that apply to managers or bosses or supervisors? Uh and and it's interesting that you know the Lord puts a responsibility on that side. This is a this is a give and take situation. This is an interaction between persons, and so uh, the, the Lord instructs in that regard too. Ephesians six, verse nine: Masters, do the same things to them, your servants, forbearing, threatening. Knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there any respect of persons with him. So, uh, treat them fairly. Don't uh, don't threaten them, and know that you're accountable. Know that God is watching. Yeah. Is sort of the way I would paraphrase Ephesians six verse nine, Colossians four verse one. Masters, given to your servants that which is just and equal, knowing that ye also have a master in heaven. Again, I think it's clear that Paul's saying, don't forget you're, the Lord's watching and you're accountable. But notice he says, give unto them that which is just or fair and equal. Now, that's always been a problem in workplaces, you know, unfair treatment of some some workers, uh, unjust, uh, not equal. And so, you know, be the right kind of person. And, again, in workplaces, I think most of, the, of us have been in situations where we had good bosses and bad ones. Uh, and, and, again, if, you have, if, if the boss is a bad guy, you'd be very uninterested in hearing anything that he has to say relative about spiritual matters. Right. Right. And that idea was not foreign. It was in the New Old Testament as well. Deuteronomy chapter 25, beginning of verse 14. Deuteronomy 25, verse 14. Thou shalt not oppress an hired servant that is poor and needy, whether he be of thy brethren or of thy strangers that are in thy land within thy gates. At his day thou shalt give him his hire. Neither shall the sun go down upon it, for he is poor and setteth his heart upon it, lest he cry out against thee unto the Lord, and it be sin unto thee. They were told they need to take care of those folks who are working for them and uh, and pay them in a timely manner. You know, the, the scriptures, Old and New Testament, speak out strongly against anybody who'd be oppressive to someone in an inferior position. Mm-hmm. And so, it, but it's, it, we understand it's not the same as master and slave exactly. And, and in those relationships, it would have been much easier to be oppressive. But bosses can be oppressive. They can They can treat their their uh, workers harshly and that is to be avoided that's right uh proverbs 22 verse 16 he that oppresses the poor to increase his riches and he that giveth to the rich shall surely come to want yeah. uh and it's and it's easy for those who are masters to take advantage of those who are working for them and yeah. oppress them when we got so so a good a, a good thing for masters to maybe remember masters we don't have masters we have bosses supervisors uh uh superintendents, all those kind of jobs. A good rule of thumb would be Matthew seven twelve, the so-called golden rule. Whatsoever, whatsoever ye would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them, for this is the law and the prophets. But again, I would argue that the underlying reason for that is to keep your, keep your influence positive and, and so that you can use it to influence people for the Lord. 
Yeah. All right. Uh, here's what Dwight, Dwight and Michelle are in the chat room. They reference Colossians 4, verse 1, Masters, grant to your slaves justice and fairness, knowing also that you have a master in heaven. And, um, and Dwight also mentioned in his email Ephesians 6, verse 9, which you referenced as well, um, yeah. uh, that, that we have uh, a master in heaven. There's no partiality with him. Don't show partiality. Kent uh, references Ephesians 6, 8, and 9 as well. Yeah. Okay. Good. All right. Good. Now, the last part of that question that we asked was, how might this work environment serve as a place for evangelism? Mm. Now, you know, where are you going to be a lot? Probably at work. Or right. in, Now, a lot of people, you're working at home a lot now these days, Jacob, but you're still in contact with a lot of coworkers. Sure. Uh, you, you probably have... If you if you think about it, with the exception of your immediate family, you probably have more interaction with your coworkers on a daily basis than you do almost anybody else. Sure. And yeah. so, how uh, how can you use that uh, situation? Well, first of all, as we've been saying, you got to you got to be setting a good example, and you got to have a high positive influence. But then, uh, I think you know. We ought to have an ambition, and uh, uh, maybe that's not the right word. Maybe we ought to have a sort of a, a personal agenda to try and reach some of those people. Uh, and, and it's pretty easy to find uh, find out quickly the 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 people at work who who probably would engage you in a religious discussion and those who don't have any interest in that at all. I'm not saying we should exclude those who are not interested. We should try to influence them. But especially in regards to people who who sort of leave that door open to you. And you can tell, you can tell pretty quickly that that, that they'd be open to a word about the Lord. Mm Use that, man. Use that opportunity. Uh, that, that's, that's again, a, a, an area that comprises a lot of our realm of influence. There you go. Absolutely. Um, and don't be, uh, don't be ashamed to, to maybe drop a little something here and there, see, see if there is some interest. Uh, Dwight says, uh, there has not been a job that has not allowed me to say something about God to someone. However, our actions and work, work ethics will say a lot about us. Matthew 5, verse 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Also, just as we would know a false prophet by their fruits, I believe others would know us by our actions and fruits, good or bad. Matthew 7, verses 15 and 16 says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So I think Dwight's saying you can speak your evangelism, and you should, but you also ought to be living it and be the kind of example that you can see that they would be a light. Yeah. Yeah. If your example's not right, your words won't matter. Yeah. And I think it takes both. I think you're right. I've known Christians before, so I'm not going to say anything to anybody. I'm just going to teach by example. Well, teaching by example is wonderful, but the fact of the matter is you ultimately have to say some words because if you you could set a perfect example flawlessly, but that would never give someone the the the, the actual information they need. That's not all there is in the equation. Yeah. 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 All right. All right. Kent says uh, we need to be careful to remember that we should never forget to accomplish our responsibilities required of us at work, even to the point of having a willing mind to do more than what is asked of us. 
We also need to remember we should be ready to give an answer or defense of the reason of our hope that is within us, 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16. This will promote an attitude of goodwill and proper influence that will open doors for discussion with those who are truth seekers. Yeah. All right, good. And uh, Peter says, 1 Peter 2, verse 12, have your conversation or your manner of life honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. In other words, you could win them over. They, they 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 might be first inclined to speak against you as an evildoer, but you might win them over when they consistently see the way you're living. All right. And also, we need to be careful about the way that we speak, because that's going to tell a lot about us uh, as well. Um, and, uh, you know, where when we're around coworkers, that's typically the time when some language comes out and some things come out of our mouths that they shouldn't. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Yeah. You need to make sure that you're speaking the way you should. That may, that may mean foul language. That may just mean the way you talk about things and circumstances. Well, maybe how you talk about the boss at the water cooler. There you go. Attitudes you may display. Yeah. Make sure that you're using your mouth effectively. Colossians 4, verse 6. I always like this verse. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. You know, the idea is uh, let, let your speech be... Use your speech with the same caution that you season your food with salt. Yeah, you know, a little salt is is great, but you can ruin your your what you're eating with salt too. So be careful how you apply the salt of your words. Here here's here's a question I got for you, Jacob. Though, and and then and we'll go to this break, and then we'll we'll, we'll switch gears after the break. But should we as Christians? Is there some caution that we ought to use about overdoing evangelism in the workplace? In other words, it, would it would it would it be possible that I am so proactive evangelistically that it interferes with my work uh, and 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 maybe becomes detrimental instead of helpful? All right. Well. Um... I think that that's something you have to be careful about. Remember, yeah, because you got to remember that, that that you have workplace you have responsibilities. Yeah. 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 So if 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 I'm expected to get things done, but I'm I'm taking long periods of time to talk to my next door coworker about Bible things, I'm I'm talking Bible when I'm I'm on the clock expected to be productive, then that's really not being honest with my with my boss and so there there could be a balance i don't think that's a big worry but there that could be a a possible balance that you know so yes i want i want to use my influence for good in the workplace but understand that i still have workplace responsibilities that have to be fulfilled too so don't 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 go overboard on that end of the spectrum absolutely all right walk with wisdom is what uh one su- su- person suggested colossians 4 Verse 5, walk in wisdom toward those who are without. Uh, so going to have to use some discretion yeah, and some good judgment there. All right, let's get a break and get this week's bullet point. We did uh, pretty good on that one. Now we're going to switch gears entirely. Yeah, we're but not talk, totally different, but We're going to talk about Christians in the community. All right, so where where are the areas where I'm likely to be most in contact with law centers that I can influence for good, workplace we just talked about. But then the other area is in my neighborhood, in my community, with people I know 
and 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 just not work but casual situations what kind of neighbor am i going to be we're going to talk about that uh, when we get back from this week's bullet point we'd love your comments in the chat room during the break let us know your thoughts don't go anywhere we're back right after this these guys are doing all of the talking we need to hear from you call in now the virtual bible study continues right after this hello everyone i'm monty a member of the college view church of christ so you've been hearing all about the College View Church of Christ on the virtual Bible study and are interested in finding out more about the church. But you live hundreds of miles away from Columbia, Tennessee, and can't come and visit with the congregation to find out more. There's no reason to fear. After all, we live in the 21st century. Here's what you can do to find out more about the College View Church of Christ. First, why don't you check out our website while you're listening to the virtual Bible study? You'll find important information about the church there, including bulletin articles there on various subjects and can even listen to sermons that have been presented at the College View Church in the past. Secondly, if you have questions about the church or about any Bible teaching, why don't you send an email to us and let us know how we can help. Send your questions to questions at collegeview.com. That address, once again, is questions at collegeview.com. We can even have a personal Bible study with you over email if you desire. And finally, if you would rather talk with someone in person, Give us a call at 931-381-4567. That's 931-381-4567. You can call this number anytime. If you don't get an answer, leave a message and we'll call you back as soon as we can. We're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study and hope to hear from you soon. This is Greg Wynn with this week's Bullet Point. Many brethren enjoy being able to contact folks via Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and so forth. But we're alarmed that some are not exercising a proper degree of caution. Consider these issues when engaged in social networking. Number one, what about the inappropriate photos and text? Some are guilty of sending photos of themselves dressed immodestly or while participating in activities that are at best questionable. Likewise, texts are sent out that convey things that a Christian should never say or think. Several red flags are obvious. Why are you doing such things? Why are you thinking and saying such things? And why are you effectively destroying your influence and example by publishing such things? Many need to be reminded of, first, their duty to God. Second, their responsibility to let their light shine, Matthew 5, verse 16. Another concern is excessive loss of valuable time. Without putting a stopwatch on any specific individual, it's easy to conclude that some are wasting way too much time on these sites. Various studies have concluded that they have an addictive potential. Can we be blunt? Turn off the computer, shut down the smartphone, and get busy. Your family, the Lord's church, your job, and many other important things need your attention. Some are neglecting their duties while spending excessive time on social networking sites. As a child of God, you are responsible to, quote, make the most of your time, Ephesians 5, verse 16. Third, there are fellowship implications. Think about the terminology that describes these websites. They're called social networking sites, and those who participate are identified as friends and so forth. The problem, as we see it, is that some are interacting without regard to those who have been disciplined by local congregation. We are obligated to sever our social dealings with such brethren until they repent. We are told to, quote, not keep company with them, 1 Corinthians 5, verse 11, and, quote, have no company with them that they may be ashamed, 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 14. If we join with them and keep company with them on these social networking websites as though there is no problem, how have we fulfilled our duty to, quote, admonish him as a brother, 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 15. So overall, we're sure that Satan is thrilled to have a whole new array of weapons to use against us. 
Beware of how he can use social media to our spiritual demise. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. And we're back to the program. Reminding this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more at thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeview.com. Kyle, it's been a couple weeks since you got your plug in, so go ahead. Go for it. Well, no, which we have uh, obvious, <clears throat> some great studies on the, our College View live stream, our other channel from yeah. our College View Church. So, yeah. Yeah, a lot of great studies. And you got the better uh, internet connection now. I guess you sort of went on yeah. the blink uh, Sunday night. We yeah. well, we've been having a lot of trouble, and it seemed it seemed like that we were having trouble when it rained. <laughs> Makes you think something was getting wet. Mm. And so uh, we over the last month we'd lost internet connection connectivity three or four times, and we lost it Sunday. Right at the end of Sunday morning services, and it, it didn't come back until Tuesday night. I was over here till eight thirty Tuesday night with him trying to get it fixed. I think the guy found the the bad connection. Oh, he did. Did, yeah. did he tell you that, or yeah. you just sort of? I was with him oh. uh, out back where the wire comes he in. He sort of made a funny noise. Huh? Oh, uh, yeah. He had some sophisticated uh, equipment there okay. uh, watching the signal strength, yeah. but. Uh, uh, but we also, in that process, are going to end up upgrading our service by by. Program time next week, Lord willing, we'll have upgraded service. And, and I don't know that it matters, but we're getting twice, we'll have twice as much uh, upload and download speed. Yeah, Kyle could take advantage of that. Yeah, which, uh, it's good. Which hopefully it won't be any more interruptions. I know uh, we did have some last Sunday evening's service did not stream, but yeah, we it, uh, will be uploaded. It'll be there tomorrow morning. So. Oh, oh, good so, for you, Kyle. Way to go, Kyle's man. Kyle's on it. Kyle's it's on it. scheduled for tomorrow morning. So there okay. You go. All right. Well, uh, we're talking about our responsibility in the workplace and in the community as right. Christians, as followers of Christ. It's going to impact the way that we live our lives, and especially on the job and in the community. All right. So the second part of our update list, uh, and I didn't mention if you don't get this update, we, we wish you would get on our email list. Send us a, an email to questions at collegeview.com and just say, add me to the list. And we will. To our update list today, we sent out uh, these questions. And the second part of our update was this. Concerning Christians in the community, explain the instructions to be separate from sinners, yet still engage them for good. How should we manifest the instruction to love thy neighbor as thyself? What instructions and limitations would apply to the command to do good to all men? And how might interactions in the community serve as an opportunity for evangelism? All right. So, you know, the, the, the scripture does, the scriptures do tell us to, to be separate. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness and what communion hath light with darkness and what a, and what concord hath christ with belial or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel and what agreement hath the temple of god with idols for ye are the temple uh, of the living god as god said i will dwell in them and walk in them and i will be their god and they shall be my people Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord God, or saith the Lord Almighty. So the the, the key expression there, 
verse 17, 2 Corinthians 6, 17, come out from among them and be ye separate. Uh, well, wait a minute. If I'm to be separate, how is it that, that you expect me to be an influence for good on them? How do we explain that? It's, it's sort of a, a potentially contradictory concept. Yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of it goes back to verse 14 there where you talk about being unequally yoked together. We've got to make sure that we don't put ourselves in compromising situations as we're dealing with other folks. Put yeah. ourselves in a place where it would be very difficult for us to do the right thing and maintain that distinction from the world. Yeah. So the separateness, is, and notice, he even says it there in verse 17, Wherefore come out from among them, be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. So the separateness is, even in that immediate context, the separateness is that I don't, that, that I'm separate from them in regards to any evil or sinful things that they're doing. I'm not participating in that. And so, so my neighbor, uh, who I'm, who I want to influence for good, he's a beer drinker. And he sits out in the backyard yep. and drinks beer. Well, you know, I could go over there and sit with him and have a beer, you know, and, and maybe in the course of us, you know, just talking about things while we're drinking our beer, I could slip in a word about yep. the Lord Jesus Christ. No, touch not the unclean thing. So, so the, the, the concept of separateness is that I've got to, I've got to, as a Christian, make sure it's, there are, there are, Boundaries that I will not cross yeah. in 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 associating with the uh, a, a person of the world. Not that I can't ever have anything to do with them, but I just can't have anything to do with the sin that they might be involved in. In First Corinthians chapter five, I think a lot of our listeners will remember that Paul in First Corinthians chapter five was talking to the Corinthian church, and they had a big problem about, about a sinful brother, and they and they, they weren't even doing anything about him. He was amongst them, and, and he they weren't doing anything about that. But in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 9, he says, I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or with the idolaters, for then must ye needs go out of the world. But I've written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, covetous, idolater, a railer, or a drunkard, or extortioner, with such a one no not to eat. So notice, even in that, so he was telling them, you need to socially withdraw from this sinful brother. And, and, but he says, I understand that you are living in the world. I'm not telling you that you can't ever have an association with a person of the world who's engaged in sinful activities, you you have to be. He, he says you'd have to leave the world if you couldn't ever interact with people. So he, the separateness is not that I can't, I can't ever talk to or be around a sinful person. No, that's not the separateness. The separateness is that I can't participate in their evil. All right. Uh, let us hear your thoughts on the phone tonight, 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. As you mentioned, I've got to be in the world. I can't be isolated, but I've got to be very careful as I am in the world and not touch the unclean thing, as Second yeah. Corinthians chapter 6 told me to do. Not be unequally yoked. Not be in that situation where it'll be difficult, if not impossible, for me uh, to be the person that I need to be. Putting myself in a compromised situation, maybe in a situation where I would be tempted to condone 
that activity, or maybe by my association would by default condone certain immoral activities that are going on. Uh, I've got to make sure that I'm not doing that in the community. Yeah. All right. Um, our listeners, let's see what they said. Uh, Kent says, there's no question that we must be separate from the world. Second Corinthians 6, 14 through 18. No, Such, and that's the text I was reading. Yep, says, Touch yep. not the end of the thing. Mm-hmm. Such does not mean that we cannot have any interaction with non-Christians. Christ did not have an association where he partook of the sins of others. However, he did have a type of association where he had the right type of influence on those who were in need of forgiveness. Luke five twenty nine through 32. Christians today need to remember that our association with non-Christians needs to be limited. 1 Peter 4, 3 through 5, but not to the point where we cannot demonstrate the friendliness and kindness to those folks, as well as seeking to be an influence upon them where we demonstrate a concern for their souls. Yeah. I might read that that example in the life of Jesus that, that Kent mentioned in Luke chapter 5, beginning verse 29. Levi made a great feast in his own house, and there was a great company of publicans and of others that sat down with him. But the scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with publicans and sinners? And Jesus answering said to them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So Jesus very much said that his his involvement was for the purpose of teaching and influencing them. If we don't have some contact with the people of the world, there's no way we're ever going to be able to teach them the way of Christ. And so it's a balancing act, uh, as Kent points out there, but we, we need to be influencing them for good. And it has to be the right kind of interaction. He references 1 Peter 4, 3 through 5, for the time past of our lives may have sufficed us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excessive wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excessive rights, speaking evil of you. So we're not going to be able to associate with all of the activities that are going on in the world. We're going to have to be different. And that difference is going to be noticeable. It's going to be tangible. Uh, Those who are in the world are going to be able to tell there's something different about us because we don't run to the same excessive riot. We don't participate in the sinful activities. We're going to be different. uh, And and we shouldn't be ashamed of that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And we got Dwight's comment there. Dwight. Let's get Dwight. Uh, He says... um, Concerning Christians in the community, Second Corinthians 6, verse 7 says, Come out from among them and be you separate. It says, Lord, do not touch the unclean thing, and I'll receive you. And First John 2, verses 15 through 17 says, Do not love the world nor, or the things of the world. Anyone who loves the world, uh, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Um we have to look at what Matthew five verse Matthew chapter five teaches us, and that is to let our light shine before men. We are separate by not participating in their evil deeds, but because we have all sinned, we need to show compassion towards others and not, but not entangle or participate in their in, in their sinful ways. Yeah. As for uh, let's see, um, okay, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Uh, why are we doing time? We're uh, about time for a break. Let's grab a break. When we come back, we're going to have to hurry and talk about. What is, how do we manifest the idea of love thy neighbor as thyself? Okay. And then how do we, what, what are the instructions and limitations about doing good to all men? And then finally, how might we use our community uh, interactions as a, an evangelistic opportunity? Brian in California submits his comments tonight in the chat room. Good to hear from you, Brian. 
In our relationships with the world, I am reminded what Jesus said in Matthew 10, verse 16, wise as serpents, innocent as doves. Yeah, good one. That's yeah. a good one, Brian. I yeah. think that's right. And it does take a good measure of wisdom to to know how to handle and, and, and handle all these interactions that we're talking about. And I don't think any of us are, are claiming that we've always been perfect in regards to that, but we want to, we want to strive for the ideal, and that's going to take a good measure of wisdom and something to pray about. All right. Uh, we're going to get back. We'll continue the discussion going, going top, uh, fast as we can to the top of the hour. Don't go anywhere. We're back right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Tonight on Channel 8 WSIN, it's TV like you've never seen it before. Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again. Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it. (laughs) And then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. (laughs) And at 9 o'clock, it's the show that Television Magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8 WSIN. I'm Greg Gwynn reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 128. Be careful what you watch on television because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin and it's never funny. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. In a survey, 48% of Americans said they felt, quote, down, depressed, or hopeless for several days within the previous week. In fact, 19% reported feeling this way the majority of the days of the previous week. That information is via usafacts.org. The Word of God says in Hebrews 6, verse 19, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. We're back going to the top of the hour, talking about our responsibility in the community. We're going to be separate, but we're going to still be in the world. We're going to have to walk uh, with wisdom towards those who are without. As Brian mentioned before the break, we're going to have to be wise as serpents, innocent as doves. Uh, We're going to have to to pray for wisdom here as we deal with those who are in the in the world yeah so we ask uh, how how would we manifest the instruction of jesus love your neighbor as yourself you know jesus famously taught that though the first two uh, great commandments were love the lord thy god with all thy heart soul and mind and the second was love thy neighbor as thyself that's a, that's a tough challenge you know i've always thought it's kind of interesting that and I think this this philosophy has been pretty much scrapped even by secular counselors. But uh, a number of years ago, there was this idea that the big problem with with the world is that we don't love ourselves enough. You know, uh, you know, low self esteem, and and the problem with if you if you've got problems, the problem is you don't love yourself enough. The scripture never tells us to love ourselves more. The scripture always challenges us: try loving somebody else as much as you already love yourself. Yeah. Love your neighbor as yourself, uh, and if you do that, you'll be doing well. Because typically, unless you've got some kind of psychosis. 
typically you love yourself plenty. Mm-hmm. And the challenge is try to love somebody else as much. And um, that, 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 that principle is applicable in our marriages and in our family, but it's, 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 it's applicable in, in our community relationships too. Uh, and, and that's going to be manifested in, in several ways. Uh, for instance, I might look at Ephesians 4, um, Ephesians 4, um, Verse 25, wherefore putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. If I love my neighbor, I'm not going to lie to him. Uh, uh, be angry and sin not, let not the sun go down in your wrath. I'm not going to be an angry, uh, you know, uh, hateful, you know, e- easy to make mad kind of a, of a person. Uh, uh, I'm, let him that stole steal no more. I'm not going to steal from my neighbor if I love him, if I love him as I love myself. Uh, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Uh, and, and so, um, uh, you know, if I love my neighbor as myself, it's going to really influence my actions. I'm going to be living right uh, relative to him. That's along the lines of what Dwight said. As for loving thy neighbor as thyself, if we go along with sinful practices, we are not showing love for others. We we would want someone to point us down the right path if we were heading in the wrong direction. Although they may not like to be shown, it should show that we care enough to help them. So Dwight says you can't love them as you should if you're not living like you should. Yeah. You're being a bad example and you're not helping them. Good. Um, Paul says, Romans 13, beginning verse 8, and this is right to our point. Owe no man anything but to love one another. Mm-hmm. So, so you love your, love your neighbor as yourself. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So if I love my neighbor as myself, then I'm not going to steal from him. I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to steal his wife. I'm not going to, certainly not going to kill him. I'm not going to lie to him. It's going to affect my conduct toward him if I love him as I love myself. All right. Time to sneak your comment in if you want to give us a call. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, Kent says, we show a proper understanding to love our neighbor as ourselves by reacting to them in the same manner we would want them to react to us. Matthew 19, 19. We need to remember that not all association implies spiritual fellowship. Just because we react by demonstrating proper friendship to non-Christians does not necessitate that we have spiritual fellowship with them. Okay, and so, yeah, we shouldn't be we shouldn't be worried about uh, all of our association as being something that would imply that we have spiritual fellowship or that we condone what they're doing. All right. All right. Let's move quickly on. The the next part of that question I asked was. What instructions and limitations would apply to the command to do good unto all men? I I had especially in mind there Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. I think it's interesting that that in that statement, obviously, it says we should especially be looking out for our brothers and sisters in Christ. But the fact is that we shouldn't limit our chance to do good to just fellow Christians. We ought to do good unto all men. I think, so we ought to, a couple of things. One is it clearly suggests we ought to be looking for occasions wherein we can do good. Right. But notice there's, the, the, the limitation is as we have opportunity, 
let us do good to all men. We've pointed out in, in discussing these things that opportunity is comprised of a, a, a situation wherein maybe something is needed and, and combined with my ability to address that need. So if there is no situation, then, then I, I can't act. But if there is a situation, yet I have no ability. In other words, so you're, you're out of money and have no food. Well, that's the situation. But I'm also out of money and have no food. Yep. Therefore, I don't have any ability to address your need. I can't even address my own need. Yep. And so there's no opportunity there. But wherein a situation exists and I have the ability to address it, that's an opportunity, and I'm, I'm to use my opportunities. All right. All right. Um, here's what... Uh Here's what, well, let's do Dwight. He says along those lines, as an example for doing good to all men, I can buy my neighbor's groceries for them. But for a limitation, I could not buy their alcohol, tobacco, or lottery ticket. Yeah. Dwight said there'd be a limit to what you can go along with. And I tell you another limitation that I would add to what Dwight says there. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 10. He that won't work, neither should he eat. So I've got to make a judgment call there. Is this guy, this guy's... Doesn't have anything to eat, but yeah. it is because is it because he won't do for himself? Am I facilitating him? Am I am I abetting his laziness? If that's the case, Paul said, don't help him. All right, absolutely. Um, here's what Kent said: the term "good" agathos in Galatians six verse ten speaks with reference to that of moral goodness and or that which is honorable, pleasing to God, and therefore beneficial. We need to remember that concepts that are good are authorized by the New Testament, Colossians 3.17. While I, as a Christian, have the personal responsibility to accomplish good to all individuals, especially my fellow Christians, and while it may involve benevolent acts to those who are in need, the good under consideration in this verse is not limited to what we would classify oftentimes as physical benevolence. This passage applies to all individuals, not those who are in just those in financial need, and such things that are considered good by the Lord are those things that are authorized by the Scriptures. Interesting take there. Okay, thanks, on that. Thanks. Okay. Um, let, let me throw in a well-known verse into this discussion. Okay. Matthew five sixteen. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And so I, 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 I in doing good, uh, my purpose for that is, is that... I could get people to glorify God. You know, it's interesting that 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 statement comes from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew five sixteen. Later in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter six, uh, Paul or uh, Jesus rather warned about doing good works just to be seen of men. And there's a rather long passage there, beginning chapter 6, verse 1. Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them, otherwise you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thou an alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets that they may have glory of men. Verily I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do alms, let not thy left hand know what the right, the right hand doeth, that thy alms may be in secret, and the Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. So this is kind of a this is kind of an interesting balancing act. I want others to I want to let my light so shine before men that they may see my good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. Matthew five sixteen. 
But just in a, in, in a paragraph or two later in the same sermon, Jesus said, don't do your works just to be seen of men. So it goes a lot to what my motivation is here. Am I doing this just so I can get people to brag on me? Man, look how much money he gave to the poor. Look look how much good he did. If if my motivation is that, then Jesus said, if that's what you're after, when you get it, you got it. And you're not getting anything else. So there's a balancing act there. But the fact of the matter is, as Christians, we ought to be the kind of people who have a reputation for doing good. Right. In the sense that in that we bring glory to God in the process. That's right. Yeah. So we're not doing it for our praise or for our pat on the back. We're doing it to bring glory to God. But people are going to have to see it in order to glorify God. Yeah. So so you, they got to see it, but you're not doing it to be seen. So yeah. that's kind of kind of a yeah. kind of a balancing act. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. We're about out of time. So finally, the last there. the last point we had there is how might my interactions in the community serve as an opportunity for evangelism? Well. You know, again, I think this has got to be our goal. Ultimately, our, we want we want to bring lost people to Christ, uh, and and so you know, we we want them to see Christ living in us and be influenced for good by what they. We, we we'd love for them to say, "I see that you are a Christian. I observe what you're doing. I know you go to church regularly. I I see the way you're raising your children. I I I, I observe uh, that you don't use bad language. Uh, um, I, I've I've never seen you being dishonest. Uh, what, what are you up to there, anyway? What what's that all about? You know, we want to open doors for evangelism by our conduct. In the community. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and we need to be in the community to open those doors. So if I live in isolation and I don't have any contact with any in the community, I will not have as many open doors. Uh, Dwight says interaction with the community is good, such as if we were to be involved with a work or school activity, we would have more contacts and opportunities to talk with others about the Word of God. Okay. Um, and then Kent says uh, the same. I demonstrated a proper action with those in the communities where we live. Doors of opportunities can be open to us where we can present the gospel of Christ to individuals who are lost in sin. Okay, uh, good. So, uh, so certainly. Uh, Philippians 2, 14. Do all things without murmuring and disputings that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Holding forth the word of life. There you go. So the way that I interact, yeah, the way that I present myself in the community will have an impact. And notice, Paul talked about those Christians being in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. We are too. And what, when you're in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, what do you do? You shine as lights. And it's easier to shine as a light if you're in a wicked world. Yeah, but we got to be doing that. You got to be doing. If, if they can't see something about us that's different from them, then we're missing the mark. And you don't sh- you don't shine as a light if you try to blend in. Yeah, a light is something that's going to be in contrast to what it's around. Yeah, we've got to be different. We got to be willing to be different. Yeah, and that's the challenge for us yeah. many times. Exactly right. All right, Kyle, thoughts from you tonight? Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now there you go. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good study. I think uh, we need to make sure we're putting our which our best effort into our lives, and if we do that, I think people will see that in our lives. So we make sure that we're putting God first, and hopefully, people can 
see Christ living in us. You make a good point, though, Kyle, and I think we wrap this up tonight. Um, what we've talked about tonight isn't going to be something like, oh, that's, that's, I've got to do some kind of special effort. It's going to be us. It's going to be the way that we live. Um, it's not like, oh, I'm going to turn it on today and turn it off tomorrow. No, yeah. this is this is us. Yeah, yeah, it's not like, let's see. Now, I, this week I need, for a couple hours this week, I need to be a light in the world. Yeah. It's just going to be. It's your life. It's just going to come. It's just mm-hmm. going to happen. Yeah, it's not something you turn on and off. It's not something yeah. you just hit or miss or sporadically. It is constant. It is your yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah. Kyle, thanks for helping us get it out on the air tonight. Glad to be back with you, and uh, glad, glad to be back with you as well, Dad, thanks, and for a good discussion with you. All right. Hope you benefited from our discussion and uh, study of God's Word tonight, and hope that you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.